Welcome back to the conversations where we discover again and again where there's a will, there's a way, and where we learn how entrepreneurs around the world are creating a great life for everyone in the company. Well, welcome to Where There's a Will, There is a Way. And remember, we are in the business of helping every company to get every employee in that company the opportunity to live a great life so that they're doing what they love doing with people that they love. They know that they're making a great contribution to making the world a better place. They're being compensated appropriately. And and finally, they have plenty of time left over for their other passions and their family. That's what we're in the business of helping companies do and helping employees live that life out. Today, we got a great guest, Mike Ryan, 25 years or more uh, serving Fortune 500 mid- middle market businesses, and, and he, he's helping them create results through supply chain and operations optimization. So uh, welcome, Mike. I, I understand you're the ice melter. <laughs> Thank you, Will. Yeah, I've, uh, I've crushed an inventory iceberg in my uh-huh. day or two. Uh, it's... Uh, watching businesses struggle who have cash frozen in inventory, that is something that uh, I truly enjoy and appreciate helping businesses figure out. Well, now, uh, I think one of the companies that I introduced you to, uh, they, they've they got what's frozen for them is their, their product being shipped out because they're missing that golden screw, Right. The, the worst time to figure out that you are out of something is when you go to reach in a bin and discover it's not there. It's like baking chocolate chip cookies. You got the batter going, the oven's all warmed up. <laughs> and at that very moment, you realize you're missing the chocolate yeah. chips. So it's, uh, it's figuring out, you know, how do we, uh, how do we look a little bit further down the road to understand what we have and what we don't have? So we can proactively plan around it. Well, and and given given the supply chain insanity right now, uh, I, I mean, I, you know, it's it's every other day I'm seeing ships hanging out outside of Laguna Beach, waiting to get into the port of Los Angeles, uh, and 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 just that kind of crunch. But then also also the the all the shipments from China being uh, locked up because of their recent. Uh, lockdowns this is this is just insane for manufacturers isn't it it is it's been i mean it's been a it's been a couple of years like no other in that you know what used to be very predictable and dependable has now become chaotic and you know just as we start started to see some of the port congestion ease and material starts flowing then we've got a hold up on the other side upstream mm-hmm. and uh, it's been a challenge. And, you know, one of the things I've seen, one of the ways it's present challenges for business, especially those that are growing, you know, there was a 12 month period of buy, 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 right. Mm-hmm. I'm worried. I'm not going to get it. I'm worried it, it's, it's going to run out. So I'm going to buy more than I need. And there was just this flood uh, of of inventory and products that just congested the port. So you know now is the time where we're trying to predict as best as we can, given lead times that have doubled and tripled. And you know again, it's it's trying to be as proactive as possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. Just amazing. Just amazing. And, and people like you to be out there to help solve the problems. And, and now, now I'm, I'm hoping that you solve the problems just for right now, as well as for the future by putting some systems in place. Absolutely. I mean, one of the biggest shifts that I've seen is, you know, let's so let's go pre-pandemic. You know, if the lead time on a part coming from overseas was twelve weeks, basically that's how far you had to look out as a business. Mm-hmm. As long as I know what the next twelve weeks of sales are going to be, I can plan. But when lead times go from twelve weeks to twenty-six mm-hmm. weeks or thirty weeks. Mm-hmm. That means, you know, along with planning out the supply, you have to look at your sales that much further out, which is, which has been a big challenge for a lot of businesses. So, you know, with lead times going out to six months and businesses being forced to forecast or plan out six months, getting a process in place that looks that far out as lead times get better and as things stabilize, if lead times get back to you know somewhere in the middle 18 weeks mm-hmm. the business will have started to look out past that horizon so you know it becomes a sustainable improvement moving well, forward well so what what have you uh, what have you observed with companies that uh I'm curious now I, I I'm a little biased so uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm looking for some data do you see any difference mm-hmm. in uh how how a company running on EOS deals with the supply chain logistics kinds of things now versus a company running doing something else? It's it's almost night and day. Well, really, the one of the biggest things. So if a business is running on EOS, they've got a process, they've got people, and most importantly, they have accountabilities defined. They know who is doing what and when. Right. Very. I mean, I, I see one of the core tenets of, of EOS being accountability in a business that isn't running EOS. Uh, if they don't have a process or if they don't have strong accountability, then it, it's, it's like back of the envelope math. I mean, I don't even think there's an envelope involved. The results are going to be not as uh, favorable and not as sustainable as a business that has people process technology running in a framework like EOS. Hmm. I mean, to me, one of the, one of the great things, you know, having worked uh, in businesses that are run on EOS is the communication. Like there's a, they, there's a standard cadence. Expectations are very, very clear. And even if you have something and you, you, you miss a target or something slips, everybody else on the team knows and they can buffer that into their, their calculations or their calculus to say, okay, it was supposed to happen last Friday. If it happens this Friday, right, here's the impact and we can get ahead of the game. The communication is there where uh, in businesses that, that lack that communication or lack that accountability, um, it's, it's much, much harder to get similar results. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. That's, that's a big difference. Big difference. Oh, well, I mean, one of my favorite examples, uh, was with a client out West. They, uh, they were in the favorable position that every machine they could build, they could sell. 
And, and for them, capital equipment manufacturer between five and six months lead time. So if you ordered on, you know, May 1st, the earliest you would get it is like October 1st, probably closer to November 1st. Mm-hmm. And the problem that they were trying to solve, you know, beginning with the end in mind is how do we get more machines out the door? So I'm, I'm sitting in this executive planning meeting and there's probably eight or nine people around the table Everybody is making commitments. Everybody's making promises. Not a single person was writing anything down. So all kinds of promises made. But, you know, 30 seconds after the meeting, it would be anybody's guess if they uh, even remembered what they signed up for, let alone felt any accountability to the promises that they've made. Wow. Wow. Amazing. And and, I mean, that's that's my experience as well. people somehow they did not go to they didn't they didn't go through the class that said how to run an effective meeting in in their MDA program. Well, I mean that's part of it. I mean it's I I think that I think that's certainly a component. I think part of it falls into the you know the status quo or hey that's the way it's always been done. Well, right. If that's right. the way right. it's always been done, then you can't really expect to get any different results, right? Because it's <laughs> it doesn't work like that. So, well, and, and the you know one of my clients, I, I just love him. Uh, what he said was that he grew up. He's he's like maybe thirty five, forty somewhere in there, and he said he grew up with his father teaching him that the only way to success is work hard. If you're not working hard, you're not on the way to success, and that meant sixty, seventy hours a week. And and he's this this guy's got you know a couple of kids that he loves being with, but he wasn't with them. And and when when he when he began to not only see how the system worked, I mean it was certainly helpful for him to to find the right people in the right seats and then begin to delegate to people he trusted. But what was major for him was shifting this mental picture that if you're not working hard, you're not going to be a success. Yeah. And and when he when he, he he washed that away, and and began looking at the results that he was getting, the results the company was getting, what other people were doing, and and he realized he did not have to work over forty hours a week. Well, and it's you know how's the uh, you know many hands make for light work. It's you know yeah. it's understanding that you know yes there are tasks or or goals that need to be reached, but there are other people uh, who can help you along that journey. And I found that, you know, most people that I've had the opportunity to work with, as long as they understand where we're going and what needs done, it, it, it helps, right. It helps share the load. And, you know, more often than not, you know, two heads are better than one and three heads are better than one. And, um, yeah, having, having different people getting their inputs, having their support, and realizing that, you know, it's not like uh, your Sisyphes when you have to push that stone up the mountain by yourself. There's other people that will help you. Yeah. And, and just, you know, what I find so exciting is when people get clear about what their, their 10-year target, their three-year picture, their one-year plan, when they get clear about that, it's not like we got to do everything tomorrow right. or next week or next month. And, and they can begin to compartmentalize 
the the journey that they have, rather than trying to do it all at once or carrying all that imagination, to be able to say, look, uh, yes, that's important. Uh, we're not going to deal with that this 90 days. Right. We're not going to forget about it, but we're not going to deal with it right now because these are the priorities here. Being able to being able to have that record of what do we want to look on next now that we've solved these other or achieved these other goals, that's just amazing to me when people begin to compartmentalize and trust others so they can delegate to them such incredible changes, not only for the business, but, but just for the life that people can now. Now, I have one fellow who's who's struggling right now because he's living the EOS life and he's got all this time and, and, and he's, he's trying to figure out, well, what do I do with it? What's my passion right now? Rather than starting another business, what's my passion? What do I really enjoy doing? Well, it's, you know, I, I, it, it sounds like, or seems like it's maybe the opportunity there is, you know, to, to separate out, you know, uh, activity versus productivity, right? Being busy doesn't uh-huh. always mean that you're actually getting something. <laughs> well, that's true too. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so now tell me about your business. Uh, do you, do you run on, uh, on EOS? I, I do. I have uh, discrete, definable, measurable goals. I have uh, accountability partners that help me make sure I am uh, staying on my journey and, uh, you know, when and if I bump up a proverbial guardrail, right, there's people to help make sure I'm, I'm still headed in the, in the right direction. And uh-huh. it's, um, you know, the, the thing that always comes to mind for me is, you know, having a goal in your head versus having something written down. Uh, once you write it down, at least for me, it becomes uh, something that's more meaningful and more tangible. Uh-huh. So. Uh, w- would you say that you you are living the EOS life now? Yes, I mean I think there's like <laughs> like any business, I think there's always going to be opportunities to improve. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I'll say the shift from being very reactive to being planful and proactive and breaking things mm-hmm. up into chunks to say, hey, you know, I don't need to move the ball a hundred yards downfield in the next 90 days, right? My goal is to move it 25 yards downfield. And, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. by breaking up, you know, big goals into, you know, more manageable bites, you know, it's, it's certainly helped me uh, achieve the results that, uh, that I, that I'd like. Yeah. Well, are you doing what you love? Doing? Oh, I am. It's for me. Well, the, the, my favorite thing in the world is to solve problems. And a lot of the clients I work with, they become so used to maybe a particular approach or a particular way of doing things that sometimes, you know, there are opportunities that are just hidden in plain sight. And a lot of what I do, (laughs) and and I joke about it, I think it was a FedEx commercial. It's either FedEx or UPS where a bunch of people sitting around the table and a guy in the middle of the table says, well, what happens if we do this? Right. And he, he moves his hands in parallel and everybody's like, no, 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 no. And then the guy at the head of the table says, Hmm, what about it? If we do it like this and everybody's like, yeah. And, and the guy's <laughs> like, I just said that. And he's like, no, no, you did this. And he did this. <laughs> and, and really, uh, you know, it, it's, it's not unusual. It's not surprising anymore where sometimes what I do is help people who are working in the process, 
you know, communicate opportunities that they found to work on the process. So that's, uh-huh. it's, uh-huh. Um, you know, I don't have a magic wand. I'm not a magician. <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah, I, you yeah. know, sometimes it's, it's more like Columbo than anything else. It's, it's trying to understand, you know, let's begin with the end in mind. What's the problem we're trying mm-hmm. to solve? And in what ways can we do things differently to reach that goal? Right. Well, all right. So you're doing what you love doing, your unique ability. Uh, do you work with people you love with, you, you, you love? So the short answer is yes. I'm, 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 I'm hesitating right. because I've been fortunate that I've gotten to a point in my business where uh, I, can, I have the ability to say, yes, hey, we're a good fit. I want to work with you. Let's work together. And, you know, when I come across something that on the surface may be an opportunity, but there's not uh, either a philosophical fit or a cultural fit, I don't have to take the work anymore. So no jerks, no, no jerks, no jerks. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> so you're, you're working with you're doing what you love. You work with people that you love. And and. Do you, do you see yourself making a, a big difference? Oh, I do. And, and that's, and, and for me, I'm an engineer by trade. And uh, for me, I like to have things that are, that are tactile or things that are measurable. And whether we're talking about supply chain or operations or inventory or cash or EBITDA, those, those are things that are all measurable. And uh-huh. it's like, hey, when we started, we were at this point. I'm going to do it like this. When we started, we were at this point and over time we got to this point and it's, it's, it's uh-huh. not only, uh, you know, qualitative and subjective, like it feels better, you know, our, our customers are happier, but it's also very, very, uh, quantifiable in terms of, Hey, our performance was here and now our performance is here. And when we look at the Delta, um, you know, that provides, a a multiplicative return on the investment uh, in terms of the work that we've done. Great. So now I, I, I trust that you are getting compensated appropriately. I am. And if you want to get more, you know how to get more, right? I do. Good. I do. So you're, you're doing what you love with people you love, making a great difference, being compensated appropriately. And are you, you taking time to, uh, for your other passions? I am. I am. I've been blessed with a wonderful wife and four children. Uh-huh. And, uh, uh-huh. you know, especially in the last year, it's been very intentional, you know, carving out time for the family. You know, first couple of years of my business where it was uh, run and chase and, and, you know, turning over rocks. Um, it, it, uh, you know, I, I'll just say my priorities are maybe a little bit misaligned where, now, I would say my priorities are better aligned than they've been over the last five or six years. Mm. Oh, is it because of the past two years? Uh, past two years certainly helped, uh, you know, having yeah. having a, a global supply chain disruption has definitely been good for my business. Uh, well, uh, there, there's see. no there's yeah. no questioning that. But at the same time, I think it's becoming more attuned to the process and kind of the ebb and flow of the work and the ebb and flow of the business Mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, has helped me really sync up and make sure that I've got my priorities, you know, where they, where they need to be. So, uh, uh, what, what do you enjoy doing maybe in the family, but maybe apart from the family, but what do you personally enjoy? What kind of passions do you have? Uh, I love being outside. (laughs) 
Yeah. I love being outside and uh, live in Cleveland, Northeast Ohio. And there are definitely portions of the year where uh, if not properly dressed, you know, it's, it's not exactly conducive to going outside. So, you know, spending time outside and really spending time with my family. Super, super. Well, what, who should be talking to you? Tell us about what, you know, what kind of issues people, if people have these issues, they should be calling you. Yeah. So I'd say the top three are number one, my customers don't like me, right? My customers don't like me because I don't have the right product at the right time. That's Mm. issue number one. Issue number two is um, my, I've got record inventories. And at the same time, I've got record back orders, which tells me Mm -hmm. I've got too much of the wrong stuff and not enough of the right stuff. And coincidentally, when I have record levels of inventory, typically see record low levels of cash flow just because that cash gets frozen in inventory. So that's the second one. And then the third one, which is really my favorite, is when I hear somebody say, we're running out of room. We need to rent more space. And I'm like, "Uh," I'm like, time out. I said, if you wake up tomorrow morning and three closets mystically appear in your home, three brand new closets, completely empty, you will fill those closets, right? It's like nature abhors a vacuum. If you woke up tomorrow and there were three empty closets, you would fill them. When a business rents more warehouse space, they will fill it. So Mm -hmm. where I constructively challenge the conversation is, hey, before we go rent more space, let's see what you have. Mm -hmm. Are there things from 10 years ago that uh, have literally, you know, you've you've done 10 years worth of physical inventory and the stickers are piled up? Maybe it's time we turn that back into cash or maybe it's time we see if we can find another outlet. So, you know, how do we clean out the closet that you do have before we go, you know, dig up another closet because you're just going to fill it up and you fill it up Mm -hmm. and it's going to put that much more pressure on cash flow as well. Do you think that uh, that the just-in-time movement is is going to be changed? Uh, how is that going to affect what we've just experienced? Yeah, that's a great question. Up leading up to the pandemic, you know, just in time, I would say for the last easily ten years, probably fifteen years, uh, really worked well, right? And and just in time is completely dependent on predictable and repeatable supply. So Mm -hmm. if I know every day there's going to be a milk run at noon and there's going to be parts to go from the supplier to the customer, that's great. Then maybe I need to keep one day's worth of inventory on the shelf. So if I know Mm -hmm. I can replenish once a day, maybe I'll keep one day, right? So total of two days in inventory. But when you don't know if the milk run is going to go from every day to every other day, to once a week, inventory just has to balloon. So, you know, if if the mailman only came once a week or the milkman only came once a week, they would probably give you five, six, seven times as much stuff. Mm-hmm. So when the predictability and the repeatability goes out of the supply chain, the ability to do just in time, it goes away with it. So, right. you know, you find yourself, uh, you know, loading up on when product becomes available. It's just human nature. I'm going to load up on more because I don't know when I'm going to see it again. So instead of right. buying a week's worth of toilet paper, 
I'm going to buy a month's <laughs> worth of toilet paper. Oh, I know. I know that very well. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, uh, you know, I would, I would not say that just in time is dead. I absolutely believe in it when there is predictable and repeatable supply. So, well, yeah. do you think that there is going to be a significant re- reshoring of uh, manufacturing? I, I've already started to see it take place. So, you know, the 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 easy math was, hey, if I take a per a per piece cost something made in the U.S. versus a per piece cost of something made in China, right? It was almost like there was no math involved. It cost me two bucks to make it here. I can get it in China for 70 cents. I'm just going to buy it from China. And when the lead times, relatively speaking, were shorter, right? That worked okay. But now with lead times being six months, depending on payment terms, a business could have cash tied up for four or five or six months, right? And it's non-productive. So right. the math becomes different where, you know, what, right. what used to be two bucks versus 70 cents, you know, you put the container and freight costs on it. And now it's like right. two bucks to like maybe a buck 65. That that gap has shrunk. Well, and then also the cost of money. Yes. That you've got your 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 money has been tied up there uh, because of uh, either accounts receivable because you can't ship the part. Or who knows what else? But it's that that's where the that's where the fancy calculators used to come out to talk about the cost of money then and cost of money now mm-hmm. and amazing. Yeah. But but those really become important. And and I, part of me is really happy about that. I would I admit I was really pleased with the whole notion of globalization and 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 giving jobs to people who you know were on starving wages. Uh, and and I never really considered the price that we as a society were paying by ripping those companies up because we had had treated employees as assets, the best asset, but nevertheless an asset. Right. And and when that to take that company out of out of the places where, like in the town where I grew up, the companies that were there they were they were part of the fabric of the of the community and to just simply rip it up and move it out that leaves people with no belonging no purpose what do i do next i'm not moving to the city i'm this is my life and maybe there's some learning there about you know there's there in addition to that uh 70 to two dollar that all of that financial piece there's also there's also a uh, responsibility, it seems to me, that a business has to provide yeah. provide for its employees and give them the opportunity to live a good life. Well, and I, I think another thing is that, you know, if there's a silver lining that's come out of this is that I think there are things that people are willing to pay a little bit more. And I mean a little bit, but a little bit more for uh, if it's made in the USA and right if it's a if it's a more consistent and predictable supply. I mean, one thing, you know, it was, it was interesting, you know, if we look back to March or April of 2020, going to the grocery store, I mean, that was almost like a, a case study in, Hey, if there's anything left on the shelf, you should probably take that out of your product line because nobody's buying it. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember going to the store 
and the cereal aisle was laid bare with the exception of maybe nine or 10 cereals. And I look at these nine or 10 cereals and I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't want to eat that either. So it's, it's to me, it's understanding, you know, what the customer values, what products are profitable. And, you know, because over time, you know, product portfolios just tend to spread and spread and spread. And if there isn't kind of an active rationalization of, hey, we don't need to be everything to everyone. Um, we can we can really do fewer things and do them better. Um, that's one of the things that I've seen come out of the last two years is is really an understanding of hey what product moves and what product portfolios have just sprawled and how do we pull them back together? Well, Mike, you were talking about uh, talking about this reshoring, bringing companies back to the United States. To, how do you see that? What do you see when you look around? So what I'm seeing is that. There are, there are definitely products that people are willing to pay a little bit more for, especially if they know they can, you know, get the quality and the consistency that they want. You know, I do think that there will probably uh, almost always be a need for what I would call, you know, commoditized products like plastic spoons and plastic forks. The Alibabas um, of the world, huh? <laughs> yeah. But for, for those items that uh, are more value added, you know, by very definition, I can see more and more of that, you know, coming back to the U.S. You know, I know there's a uh, there's a, a tool and die maker here in Cleveland that let's say for a 12 by 12 by 12, you know, a one cubic foot die, let's say it costs fifteen thousand dollars. They can do that in three weeks. Now, if they take that same die and try to have it made in China or Taiwan, uh, maybe it's a third of the price. Maybe it's $5,000, but it's literally going to take 10 times as long. Wow. It'll probably take 30 weeks. Whoa. So there's, there's definitely, I mean, cost of capital, I think now more than ever is, is, is playing into the equation as well as, hey, if, if there's something I want or something I need, you know, can I can I hop in a truck in Cleveland, Ohio, and drive to Elkhart, Indiana, and go pick it up, or am I waiting for a boat to dock, then get offloaded, then get onto rail, then get onto truck, then hope there's a driver for the truck for the show up at my plant? So, uh, you know, starting to see more and more where you know the pros outweigh the cons of. You know, bringing manufacturing back to the yeah. U.S. Well, interesting. Going to be a really big shift. It's amazing, just amazing. Well, Mike, this has been really a, a treat to be with you and, and to see the world through the eyes of a logistics master. Well, I, I appreciate it. I, there, there are definitely people who uh, uh, are far better at me than you know keeping the trains running on yeah. time. You know what I like to say is. Uh, you know, I help businesses solve problems and by creating processes that are definable, predictable, and repeatable. Good. So if somebody wanted to talk to you, who, who, how should they get in touch with you? Uh, easiest way is go to my website. It's mryangroup.com. And right on the top of the page, there's a little button that says book a call. Take you right to my calendar. And I look forward to the opportunity to uh, have a conversation. Great. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Mike. 
this is just another example of, of how when issues come up, especially if you have a system for dealing with issues, taking them out of that emotional spot to turning them just into an issue to be solved. There's Where there's a will, there is a way. And we're going to be seeing that in the next couple of years. And uh, Mike's talking about the cutting edge, the front edge that we're seeing now. So this is going to be fun. Stay tuned. Uh, we're going to have lots of great people talking about how to create the opportunity for every employee in your business to live an ideal life. Thank you all. Thank you, Mike. You have been listening to Where There's a Will, There's a Way with Will Christ. If anything resonated with you, you can find tools to help you and your leadership team create a great life for everyone in your company at willchrist.com. Come and join the conversation at willchrist.com.